0: This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 258.
1: Let's do this. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the
0: benefits later. And now your host. Dad jokes and puns are part of his daily ritual. Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, This is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. you, know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in this session of the Smart Passive Income podcast you know, the past few weeks, or at least this month, we've been talking a lot about productivity, and I wanted to have one more episode to round out this concept and to make sure that we can all, moving forward into the year, can really make sure that we are approaching productivity in the right way. And I wanted to bring somebody on who's written about this, who has really structured his whole life around productivity, and this is Chris Bailey from a alifeofproductivity.com. He's got a couple of TED Talks under his belt, and he's got a best-selling book as well. It's called... The Productivity Project. And yeah, I know some of you might be thinking, oh gosh, now another one of these episodes is gonna teach me something that's maybe different than what other people have said. Now, first of all, Chris comes on and he verifies a lot of what's already been said, which is great. And so those concepts you wanna make sure you incorporate into the work that you do moving forward. However, I will say that in my experience, when experimenting like with with what Chris has done his whole life to try and become a more efficient person and do more meaningful work, uh, I found that sometimes it's just the one tip you hear from that one person. It can it can also be a very small thing that can make a huge difference down the road. So uh, keep an open ear. There's a lot of great information in this, and Chris has a great personality, fun to talk to. So I'm excited to share this with you. So let's not wait any longer. Here is Chris Bailey from. A Life of Productivity.com and author of The Productivity Project. What's up, everybody? I'm so happy to welcome none other than Chris Bailey from A Life of Productivity.com and author of The Productivity Project. Chris, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Pat Flynn, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Super stoked to talk to you. You know, this month we've been talking all about productivity. We've interviewed people like Cal Newport and Mike Vardy. And I'm trying to be the best and most productive person I can be. And the only way I know to do that is to do the research. And I'm going out there, reaching out to new people, understanding how they work. So I want to know, you know, how you work and how you stay productive, what your definition of all that stuff is. But before any of that, I just want to know more about you. Who is Chris Bailey and when, at what point in your life did productivity become important to you?
1: It's always kind of existed in the background of my life, if that makes sense. And I, I think that's true for everybody, where whether we tune into this kind of frequency of, of the way that we live and work or not, uh, productivity is, is this idea, uh, because it's about getting stuff done, whether in our personal life, whether in our work life, it's always there, whether we realize it or not. Um, And I think it was about a decade ago, probably more by this point uh, in in my life where I I started tuning into this this frequency and and thinking, okay, you know, we, we all get 24 hours every day. But some of us are able to accomplish a disproportionate amount in those hours. Mm-hmm. And so I started to dig deep, deep, deep into the psychology of productivity into you know these productivity hacks, a lot of which are b s, frankly, because you know they're fun to read about. but We don't actually earn the time back. We spend reading about them. Um, And and that's the thing about a lot of productivity advice is it's one thing to read about it, but you have to make all that time back and then some or or else you're basically just kind of reading or listening to productivity. There's a lot of that out there. And so this last decade has been kind of a process of sifting out the stuff that works from the stuff that doesn't to really see uh, what what ways we can uh, accomplish more on, on a daily basis.
0: Love it. What were you doing before all this productivity work and coming out with a book and all that stuff?
1: Uh, I was in business school. I, I was doing a bunch of internships at, at Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, studying management and marketing. Uh, and so, you know, I, I had that that experience. to To when I graduate, I got a couple of job offers. But I thought, you know, if, if there's a time to actually look at something that's meaningful to me, uh, that was the time. And so I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna decline these jobs. And figure out, you know, sift out the stuff that works from the stuff that doesn't um, in, in this productivity project. So that's kind of that's kind of how it all this racket, as cool. you say, started.
0: Yeah. How, how did you determine what was right or wrong for you? Like th- what was the research process like for you?
1: It was really just soaking up the information and experimenting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what I could with it. Uh the experimentational angle was kind of the the big angle that took the cake as, you know, being the most interesting. But the research, it was first and foremost a research project. I I saw it as kind of like a like a PhD thesis in a way where the book is like it's like a thesis that, that People actually read. Mm. I'm sorry for anybody who's who's doing a PhD. I hope my I hope my partner. I hope she's not listening to this right now because she's actually doing her PhD. Oh, she, she might yeah. actually be listening in, in the other room, and I'm so sorry, Arden, if
0: if that offends. we Well, just you. tell her to start um, at like five minutes it, in, so she could skip it. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start this. Yeah. I'll, I'll send like a you know a little timestamp link in, yeah. in Overcast or whatever player she uses. Yeah, yeah. So it was really first and foremost a research project. Project looking at those journal articles that, that people kind of skim over, uh, looking at all the books that people had published. And more than that, once people started reading my site, which I didn't expect to happen, I had the chance, kind of a gateway, to interview the, the people that I respected the most in this space. Uh, People like David Allen, who created the getting things done methodology, Mm -hmm. one of my heroes, you know, some people have sports heroes and like celebrity chef heroes. I have like heroes like David Allen and Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit, who have really explored these ideas of productivity um, for years and years. So I chatted with them. um, I looked at the research and I boiled that research down. To actually get my hands dirty on it, to you know, like to experiment with meditation. I meditated for 35 hours in a week. Uh, you know, there's a lot of research between our wake up time and and how productive we are. Mm-hmm. So I woke up at 5:30 every morning for a few months. Uh, you know, worked 90 hour weeks for for a month, and, and you know, experimented with my body fat percentage and how much muscle mass I had to see uh, the impact that physical activity had. And so really, that was kind of the sexier part of the project where to me, you know, if I look at how I spent my time, it was mostly a research project and, and an interview project. And the experiment was kind of putting all of that into practice.
0: And that's what the book is about it, how you've sort of determined what has become the right strategies for yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. You, you know, it's it's about 250 pages and there's a 500 page book on all this stuff that didn't work. And so, you know, <laughs> after sifting through all this stuff um you know the year was kind of a year to separate the productivity advice that works from the stuff that didn't and so that that's what made it into the book about 25 of of those things that actually you know help us accomplish more cuz that that's really you know that that was the biggest mistake i made at the start of this project i think you know even though i'd been exploring this idea for a decade or so i really saw productivity Uh, I equated that with how busy we were or how much we got done over the course of the day, which I think is a trap a lot of people fall into. You know, I I saw, you know, if I I wrote 2000 words in a day, um, that was that meant I was twice as productive as if I wrote 1000 words. But I think I forget what made this bit flip, but there was something that happened in, in the project where I started to view productivity not as how much we produce, but as how much we accomplish and more than that, you know, accomplishing what we intended to do in the first place, because that's really what we're left with at the end of the day. And so, the, you know, the, the tactics that made it into the book, are the ones that actually lead us to not necessarily just do more over the course of the day or, or become more busy over the course of the day, but actually get more meaningful stuff done.
0: I like that. I like that. So it's almost changing the word product productivity. Like you're just creating products all the time or coming up with new stuff or doing things like you said to almost like Accomplishativity or whatever.
1: Yeah, successulativity. I, I don't know what, I don't, <laughs> because all these words have like such, such an incredible amount of baggage associated with yeah. them. Like, um, you know, just kind of an inside baseball story. When, when I was in the proposal stage, of the Productivity Project. I originally called it the Productivity Playbook. And I kind of pushed back when my publisher said, no, we want to call it the Productivity Project. And they had all this experience, but I was kind of averse to the word project. Mm-hmm. But when I started talking with people about the the idea, it, it turns out that people weren't turned off by the word project. They were turned off by the word productivity because people equate this idea of productivity as something that feels so cold and corporate and all about efficiency and boiling our life down to a spreadsheet. But mm. I would argue that nothing could be further from the truth. It's when the day is done, what is different in the world or in our work or in our life because we lived a day of our life? That, that's what productivity is to me. It's how much we accomplish. And success is another word that has a lot of baggage associated with it. You know, I, I think of these people with like slick back hair with big smiles and photoshop faces on their website it, mm-hmm. that, that's what comes to mind but it's really just a, accomplishing a, accomplishing more on a daily basis i think that's that's how we're meant to view productivity
0: so how can we do that if i were to ask you chris what are some of those top tips that you share in your book or th- or discoveries that you've had the non-bs kinds of productivity tactics yeah. out there what what are some of those ones that you have
1: yeah the the best tips require more work and more effort than these kind of quick productivity. Apps. Well, that's not but what people want to hear. <laughs> no, God, people are turning off. If I if we didn't turn people off from the Ph.D. stuff, man, people are definitely tuning out now. But one of my favorite rules is a simple one. Uh, and, and it speaks to the idea that what lies at the heart of productivity isn't, you know, working faster or more frantically or more often on autopilot, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's working, first of all, on the right things, uh, but working on those things deliberately and with intention. And I think that idea of intention lies at the heart of productivity, because uh, for, for the simple fact that not all tasks in our work are created equal, you know, we accomplish, you know, 100 times as much if we're writing a blog post or connecting with a new a customer or a new client or you know pitching ourselves then we do say you know doing something like watching netflix you know it doesn't take much mental calculus but we don't always spend our time in in that direction and and that's where intentionality lies in where when we take that time to take a step back and actually uh, decipher what's actually important on a daily basis That's when we can level up to become more productive. And there's a rule that I personally use every single day called the rule of three. And it goes like this. At the start of the day, you fast forward to the end of the day in your head and you ask yourself, by the time this day is done, what three main things will I want to have accomplished? And it works because, you know, first of all, we separate what's important from what isn't. We actually do the calculus quickly in our head and, you know, we act on our gut because we all know what's what's actually important. But it only takes a minute. We decide what we don't do. Uh, we consider the constraints uh, of our day because productivity is so often a process of understanding our constraints. Some days, you know, will be mapped out for us with meetings and other days we'll have more flexibility. Uh, but it works because it's so difficult to remember what's important. And choosing only three, you know, there's something, not to ramble on too much about this no, idea. No, keep going, it's so simple, please, but, good. But, good, there's something inherent about the way our brains are wired, where we're wired to think in threes. Uh, we have sayings like, things come in threes, and celebrities die in threes, and the third time is the charm. Uh, Blood, sweat, and tears, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. It, even a story, which is a sequence of dozens of events, usually that happen one after the other, we divide into three parts. The beginning, the middle, and the end. Back to the future, uh, one, two, we, three. One, two, three. We, you know, the, the trilogies uh, of, of all shapes and sizes. Award three Olympic medals. We uh, grow up immersed in stories like uh, mm-hmm. the three little bears, the three blind, you know, I, I could go on. But we're wired to think in threes. And because this simple rule, fits with the way that we think in addition to you know being so constrained that it forces us to actually choose what's important we can actually act on what's important throughout the day when we carve out these intentions um, and actually accomplish more this way
0: interesting I like that uh, the the threes and it, it kind of reminds me of I, I use a journal uh, every day called the five minute journal and actually, When you wake up in the morning, you write down the three things that you hope to accomplish during the day, which uh, that by far more than any part of that exercise of journaling has been the most helpful. So I absolutely agree with you. And it doesn't necessarily need you to write it down. I think you you, you say even just really quickly, you can just think to yourself uh, when you start your day, kind of make that a habit or a practice. Just what are those three things? Now, my question to you is, well, what about the one thing? Some people go into the process of, well, let's just do one thing per day and focus on that. Uh, obviously, you probably know the book, The One Thing and and that yeah. that sort of stuff. So how does this work uh, together with that or is this something uh, or, or is this like a different philosophy?
1: You know, I, I think both have their place. And this is, I think, one of the things that people have to take to heart with productivity advice is, it's not what productivity advice is right. Um, it, it's about what advice is right for you. Mm. And so, what one of the things that I advise in my book, you know, it's not some you know three step plan or or whatever um, to to bolster my speaking and my consulting and my stuff like that. Um, it, it's really you know here's a collection of things that worked for me. Um, take what you need, take what you want, and leave the rest. Because this is one of the the truths about personal productivity is that because we're all wired so differently, uh, different tactics will work better for different people. Uh, you know, waking up early is, is a pretty good example of this. Depending on our chronotype, which is, you know, how our, how our energy levels nat- naturally fluctuate over the course of the day, we'll have different peak energy periods throughout the day. You know, mine happen to be between 10 and noon and, and 5 and 8 p.m. And so that's when I make sure I work on my most productive tasks. But other people, you know, maybe somebody who's a, an early riser might do their best work in the morning. And so it really does depend on the way that we're wired. This is why that that experiment to wake up at 530 was such a such a painful experience <laughs> for me, because, you know, there's zero connection between what time we wake up at and our socioeconomic standing, because what differs between successful people and productive people is what they do with the hours of their day after they wake up that make the difference. You know, I I know a lot of, you know, people who are operating at a super high level who get out of bed and struggle to do so at at nine or 10 in in the morning, and they work (laughs) until one or two in the morning as well. And so it really is about what advice works for you. Um, I, I will say, that in practice. You know, we have more things to do over the course of the day um, than, you know, one thing would allow. I'm not familiar with all of the intricacies of the system. I I have to pick up that book again. But three seems to be a number that works well. Uh, You know, in your case, in my case, in a lot of different cases, Mm -hmm. um, I think where one thing becomes vital is in working towards these ideas in the moment. Because, you know, the most crucial and vital elements of our work simply require more time uh, but they also require more attention and more energy than kind of the the simple habitual things and so working on just one thing at a time in the moment uh, I, I think it's a powerful strategy as well
0: i like that I think attention is is definitely the mo- one of the most important parts of this of this uh, formula of actually being productive but how do we yeah. pay attention to something solely when there are so many other things out there that are trying to fight for our attention at the same time?
1: Well, th- that's the thing about distractions is, in the moment, does what we see as distractions are more attractive than the work that we ought to be doing. You know, Firing up Facebook will always be um, a, a more sexy task, a sexier task to us than, say, writing a report or, you know, doing it whatever it is that we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think the best possible solution to dealing with these things is to deal with them ahead of time. And how I like to look at the, the potential distractions and interruptions, or really anything that can hijack our attention throughout the day, is by looking at two different criteria. Uh, the first being whether or not we have control over it. There are some things we can control and other things like office visitors that, that maybe we have less control over. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing is whether or not they're annoying, so they're kind of unwelcome, or whether they're fun, and so they're nice kind of repeat, reprieves from our work. And so, you know, you can kind of divide them up into a two by two grid in your head. And the things that you have no control over, um, you can't really change how you deal with them ahead of time, but you can change how you relate to them after they come up. And so, you know, annoying ones, dealing with them and then getting back on track and and enjoying the the distractions and the interruptions that you can't control. And that's that's a difficult thing to do. That's the hardest kind Mm -hmm. of bit of this. But the ones that you can control, you know, things like annoying ones like email alerts and text messages and things of that nature and fun ones like you know, news websites and, and things like that. We can, we can download apps like self-control and, and rescue time to, to actually, you know, modulate our, our behavior ahead of time. Um, and, and we can, you know, deal with annoying ones by turning off alerts and interruptions and disconnecting when we do our most vital work. And so I, I think the answer is to deal with the, these things ahead of time simply because of the fact that in the moment, we're going to fall victim to these things. Everybody does. Um, you know, the productivity experts out there, um, you know, everybody falls victim to distractions because of the fact that they re- they're more interesting than our work in the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, Does that make sense? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of levels to that for the, the first level is, well, ha, let's see if we can live our work more than our distractions, for one. Um, yeah. So are you doing the things that are making you excited? And yes, even though we might have an exciting project, there's going to be smaller things in there that is going to feel like grunt work. I remember when I was writing my book, for example, when I came to a tough moment. Facebook would open up and Twitter would open up and I would just kind of go back to my uh, sort of security <laughs> blanket of social media for a while and get those immediate yeah. responses and f- good feelings from interacting with people and whatnot. Um, but in general, I yeah. loved writing the book and I knew what it was for and, and I had that driving me. Um, so, so, so those well, things. It's,
1: it's funny you mentioned writing a book because, you know, the research on procrastination that, that I conducted during the project, um, it showed that there are certain attributes that a task can have. It's fascinating science behind this stuff that make us more likely to procrastinate on a certain task. And there's seven of them. Whether a task is boring, I'll try to remember them here on the podcast, whether a task is boring, uh, whether it's frustrating, whether it's difficult, whether something lacks personal meaning, whether it lacks intrinsic rewards, um, so it's not rewarding when Mm -hmm. we do it, uh, whether it's ambiguous, and whether it's unstructured. And the more of these triggers that a task sets off the more aversive we find it and the more likely we are in turn to fall victim to these distractions and so you look at something like writing a book which you know anybody who's written a book or has tried and struggled to get into the process of doing so you know you've probably found it at times boring frustrating difficult ambiguous unstructured all of the above Uh, doing our taxes is the same cleaning our closet is the same you know cleaning the basement or the garage And so the things that we put off the most are, you know, procrastination is a purely visceral and emotional reaction to something that we really don't want to be doing. And so something we're procrastinating on sets off most of these triggers. And so disabling the distractions ahead of time becomes all the more important. You know, I I wrote most, I don't know if if you're the same, but I wrote most of my book while I was disconnected from the internet. uh, Because the same research that shows that uh, we procrastinate on on tasks with these triggers, it shows that we spend 47 percent of our time on the Internet procrastinating. Yeah. And so things quite literally, when we're doing our most most of work, take twice as long when, when we're connected to the Internet.
0: I think that's uh, that's such a small tip that can have such a big impact and reward for people is just turning off the phone for a while when you're working or turning yeah. off notifications which you have the ability to do on your desktop nowadays and you know a lot of people feel and fear that um you know the world's gonna crash the moment they do that you know or they're gonna miss out on something <laughs> but then you realize i mean i've been doing this yeah. myself you turn it off for a couple hours you turn it back on and nothing drastic happened you know i had to learn the same yeah. thing with email i i was um, told by my assistant, who I hired to help me crush my inbox, she said, "Okay, well, l- let's try something. Let's not answer any emails for 24 hours, and I'll show you nothing bad is is going to happen." Um, because I yeah. was so like, "Oh, I got to answer quickly and right away," and so when the emails would come in, that's when I would answer. And she's like, "No, no, no, you can't do that." And no, um, man, no, no, yeah. And then I, I realized, uh, oh, it's been 24 hours. My business is still running. Everything's still fine, and you know, people don't expect me necessarily to reply right away, and so. And and if
1: you if you run a team people start to rely on themselves more if it takes too long to respond They'll only uh, bug you if they absolutely need something to you
0: true from you very true And I I, I also saw on your site uh, I was very happy to read this because I do this myself and that is I have a second device That I only use for my distractions Outside of my work computer. Can you talk a little bit uh, about what that means?
1: Well, I've got this iPad here, and I, this is uh, you know something I started doing recently as kind of an experiment, but I've delegated this device to be my distractions device, and so I only have Twitter on this device, I only have social media on this device, I only have email on here as well, um, and I have this long password that's 20 or 30 characters long in, in this 30 mm-hmm. deposit box in my in my office here, if I absolutely need to check it on my desktop, so if I've put it, you know, a, a big temporal distance away from me. But the idea is, if I want to be distracted, that's okay. But I can't be distracted where I do my most important work. Uh, because and this is one of the findings from the project that we have three main ingredients. That we combine over the course of the day in order to be productive, and this is one of those things I found when, when everything was done. It, it was kind of like a like a eureka moment mm-hmm. where I found that every single thing that worked uh, in terms of making me more productive over the course of the day and actually accomplishing more uh, fell into one of these three categories: either managing my time, of course, you know we have to manage our time around those of other people, uh, managing my energy, and so you know putting good fuel into my body, uh, drinking caffeine strategically instead of habitually, uh, you know, putting good, you know, food and, and exercise into my body as well and managing my attention. And so, uh, you know, dealing with distractions ahead of time, interruptions ahead of time and really developing a deep focus. And, and a lot of that ties to, I believe what, what Cal was chatting about last week, um, in, in doing deeper work. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that idea, you know, bringing more focus, to to what's in front of us in the moment you know it's an idea that's been around for thousands of years in in terms of mindfulness practices but it's something that the world that we live and work inside of today uh, pushes us in the other direction even though it's never been more important that we need to focus on one thing at a time. And so, th- those three ingredients, you know, time, attention, and energy, uh, we need to manage all three more deliberately. And, you know, having a, a second distractions device where we only do certain work on that thing, we can be more deliberate about manage our, managing our attention that way, because it's probably the more difficult one to manage, isn't it? You know, it, it's kind of easy to get into a routine, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. to, to eat better and to exercise, and we occasionally fall into those but managing our attention a, a, in order so that we can be less distracted over the course of the day and less interrupted—that's kind of the the difficult one, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. You know, it's funny. I imagine people listening to this and going to their spouses and saying, "Hey, Chris said I can get a second device so that I can." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I'm curious. Do you go so far as to schedule your distractions? And this is something that Cal had talked about before on the podcast. And I'm curious to know yeah. in terms of what you do and when you do it, how much are you using your calendar? I use my calendar throughout the day um,
1: because you know simply to get events out of my head. Whenever something is time specific, it goes in the calendar. And, and so I usually block off the hours of ten and noon and and uh-huh. five and eight p.m. so that I can have that time to to uh, dive deeper into my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I I use the calendar quite a bit.
0: Are you just are you uh, scheduling distractions as well? Like uh, the, email, the, especially. The, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I only check my email once a day um, because you know it's it's kind of a luxury to be able to do so. But you know, when you're self-employed, you gotta you gotta take advantage of these luxuries. Um, so I, I check my email every day at, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because that's kind of when my energy levels naturally dip, and so I I work on a task that that is less important. And I have a VIP email for the people that I work closely with throughout the day but it's really you know managing our attention it's it's the more difficult ingredient to manage and it's been a process over time you know I've relegated kind of the distractions that will derail my focus to the distractions device but for the ones that occasionally serve as interruptions um, I've, you know, I, I've learned to to kind of compartmentalize those. And so email is a good example of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone calls and interviews are another example where I like to batch those together. You know, it's it's not always possible, but whenever whenever it's possible, I, I do. And so really, uh, I do deal with most of these things ahead of time. Meetings is another one. You know, I, I think one of the most productive things that we can do is to When we're invited to a meeting, question the value of that meeting relative to the other tasks in our work. Because, you know, it takes an hour to attend a meeting. And, you know, if we do kind of deep work on a daily basis, you know, that takes valuable attention away from other things because we're worrying about the meeting uh, ahead of time and kind of transitioning out outside of it. Um, And so, you know, questioning the value of these things ahead of time. I never attended a meeting without an agenda, um, simply because, you know, an agenda to a meeting, uh, I think it's valuable to see the agenda as kind of like a pitch for your time and attention. Um, seeing a podcast that way, um, you know, th- thanks for listening to this one, Pat, and I thank you. But uh, in every further episode, whether this show or future ones, look at the description. And question, you know, will this be a valuable use of my time and attention? You know, podcasts, Netflix episodes are the exact same way. And so I think that really is the best strategy that we can deploy is to question the value of these things in the first place.
0: I love it. And I love I love how you are um, making this more of a human approach. Uh, Like you said a while back that, you know, a lot of this productivity advice we hear all the time feels cold and it's, it's very corporate. You actually have a TED talk. Yeah, Uh, that you did in Liverpool about, you know, making productivity more human. How else might we make productivity fun for us? Instead of like a challenge (laughs) or something just kind of that we have to do because uh, nothing's aligning in our lives right now.
1: I think that it's for for somebody like looking at that statement on the surface, like how can we make productivity more fun? It seems like the most (laughs) paradoxical thing in the world, (laughs) doesn't it? But uh, I think, you know, one of the most valuable things that we can do is to keep a list of everything that we accomplish over the course of the day or or over the course of the week, rather, and over the course of the year, because, you know, it's the nature of our brain that we remember the things that we've completed less than the things that we have in progress. And so as a consequence of that, we find ourselves worrying of everything that we have on our plate and forgetting all of the accomplishments that our productivity has led to. Mm. And this is kind of another paradoxical thing about productivity is the idea that you wanna become more productive in a way implies that you're not entirely satisfied with where you're at already. And it was a tough thing to, to rectify In the project, because you know it's kind of a holy crap moment where I thought, like, why don't I just kind of be nice to myself in the process instead of just pushing myself like a robot to to get more done? And an accomplishments list is a fantastic way to to do that. And you know, I I, I recommend keeping one. You know, look back from January all, all the way through today at the things you've accomplished so far, and then keep that list running through through the rest of the year. So anniversaries you've had with your with your partner, um, I was going to say partners. Maybe, maybe you're in that situation where you have
0: <laughs> multiple partners. Um, and maybe it's and an so anniversary of like uh, your business partners and your business that you started. So maybe, maybe this, yeah, that's what you oh, meant. yeah, that's
1: exactly what I meant. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. uh, <laughs> you know, not not your three wives. Um, you know, put put anniversaries on there. You know, certain work accomplishments that that you've had big milestones, so that you can look back on this list. At the end of the week, if you keep a weekly one at the end of the year or, you know, occasionally at this yearly accomplishments list and really pat yourself on the back. And this is, I think, one of the best attitudes that we can have as it relates to our productivity is to never truly be satisfied with where we're at. So to always strive to to accomplish more, which is healthy, but only when we invest in our happiness along the way. And so uh, I love your your journaling practice. It's something that I do as well. You know, every morning, you know, think, you know, what three things do I want to accomplish today? Uh, Every night think, okay, what three things was I grateful for today that happened? Uh, Mm. I I do this with Arden as we're as we're falling asleep uh, every night. We think, okay, what three things are we grateful for in the world, in, in our lives, in each other? And, you know, a lot of research has been conducted that this really does train our brain to look for patterns of of positivity around us to, you know, because so much of our work uh, trains us to look for the negatives. You know, we get rewarded in work for looking at problems and putting out fires and and solving difficult tasks, especially when we're leading a team of other people to do so. Mm -hmm. And I I think that becomes critical. You know, recalling things we're grateful for, journaling about positive experiences we've had, uh, keeping accomplishments lists of everything that our productivity leads to, um, you know, working with more intention and actually slowing down. Uh, Slowing down I think is one of the. It's kind of paradoxical because we think of productivity as doing more and more and more faster, faster, faster. But I don't think that's true. When we do work with our brains rather than with our bodies, you, you know. Yeah. When, when we did kind of work in the factory on an assembly line with our hands, um, that that might have been true. You know, the harder and the faster we worked, the more widgets we produced in the same amount of time. But today. You know, when we have these other ingredients, like our attention, which is so vital, like our energy, which is so vital, actually taking time to slow down, uh, work with more intention, whether every moment or in general, you know, kind of quiet things down a bit by disabling the distractions that we have control over, um, you know, setting these intentions for the day, thinking about what's important before we start working. It's a more human way of looking at productivity. And it actually fits with the way that our brains work. Where when we're kinder to ourselves, we become happier and we can become more productive at the
0: same time. Love it. Love it. Chris, thank you for that. There's one more question I want to ask. You know, we've been talking a lot about productivity this month. It was sort of the theme of the month here on the blog and on the podcast. So I think people, okay, they understand that they, you know, have to be productive. They have to understand what their next thing is and make sure that they're um, getting the results from the work that they're putting in and being smart about where they're putting their time. But, you know... at some point enough has to be enough, right? In terms of, okay, let's, let's try and get even more productive. Let's shave like a 10th of a second off this task and, you know, let's get (laughs) more like, you know, I feel like productivity is sort of like a, like, like you're, you're painting and like the question I have for all the painters out there, if this is a good analogy, maybe it's a terrible one, we'll see. But you know, when you're painting something, it's like, how do you know when you're done? Like, how do you know that's the last stroke? In, in productivity, how do you know that you've done like the last stroke so you can then stop worrying about all these productivity tips and hacks and tricks and tactics out there and start actually just getting in the rhythm and getting into deep work and actually accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish?
1: Yeah, it's so surprising how few people know what they want. And so I think that's a question you have to ask yourself before. You invest in your productivity. Mm. You know what? What are my values? What do I actually care about? Um, but not, you know, in general. Not oh, I want to make a lot of money and I want to have a good fan. But like, what are your values? Do you care about connecting with people? Do you care about helping people? Uh, do you care about uh, meaning? And you know what? What are your deeply held values? And you can Google things like like list of values. And I, I have an exercise in my book. You know before before you, I get into the productivity tactics, you know, why are you doing this? Um, you know, if you invest in your productivity so that, and you become so productive so that you actually get two more hours of free time every day to, to spend as you please, because that that's, I think, where productivity is designed to lead to. Um, you know, that, that's how I see it fitting into my life is mm-hmm. productivity exists. So that we can carve out more time for what's actually meaningful to us. Because if you look at how the average American spends their time, you know, we spend a third of our day working, we spend a third of our day sleeping, once we account for the household chores and eating and keeping up with with social commitments, we only have so much time left at the end of the day. So if you had two hours of free time every day to, to spend as you please, how would you spend that time? And you know why aren't you doing that already if you can make money doing that? Mm-hmm. And, you know because chances are it'll make you quite a bit happier than than you are already. Um, and, and you know why not why not kind of approach things from that that direction instead? And, and I, I think the value in productivity is that we only have so much time. You know, and, and everybody's heard this, but the the way that I've started thinking about this on a on a daily basis is. You know, we look at how the average American spends their time and let's say for the ease of math, we we each live until we're 90, which is, you know, it's a pretty good life. But if we spend a third of our day sleeping, we live until we're 60 essentially because we spend a third of our life sleeping. Mm -hmm. If we spend a third of our day working, our lifespan essentially becomes 30. (laughs) If we, you know, take time to to do chores and, and things of that nature, maybe our lifespan is 10 years at the end of the day. And so really how do we want to spend our time? There's a there's a quote that I love. I believe it's from Annie Dillard in her quote, the in her book, The Writing Life, where she says, and, and I quote this often, I, I think in my books <laughs> several times, but how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And you know, how you spend each day filters up to create a meaningful life. Or and I think productivity in itself is not a worthwhile goal, and I say that as somebody who's been obsessed with this idea for for years. Mm-hmm. Now I think we we have to have a bigger goal than productivity. Productivity is the process through which we achieve our our biggest ambitions, our biggest goals. Whether you know it's it, it's inspiring uh, millions of people, whether it's You know, changing the world in other ways. However, it is that we want to make an impact, I think productivity exists to help us
0: get there. I love it, Chris. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. It reminds me of a video that I saw from Gary Vaynerchuk. I think he posted it on Facebook and Instagram a couple of times. And he's like in a car. Uh, and D-Rock's there filming this this moment, and he rolls down the window, and this woman's there, and she's like, oh my gosh, it's Gary Vee, like, let's take a selfie, let's take a picture, <laughs> and she goes, okay, but before you go, like, g- give me some words of inspiration, motivation, what, what do you have to say? And he goes, you're gonna die. And everybody's like, what? And she's like, thank you. Cause, and cause he's like, you're going to die. Like yeah. get whatever you need to do done be- before that happens. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like a, at first you're kind of shocked. And then a, a second, you're like, wow, let's, why am I wasting my time? Like, let's, let's get productive so we can do the things we want to do. Cause one day we're not going to be here anymore. So let's, let's make that impact. Let's leave that legacy. And I think, I think that goes perfectly along with what you said, um, but obviously, that's Gary Vee's style, and this is your style. Yeah, um, and I think that <laughs> kind of covers the spectrum there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, not not to get all hippy dippy on you here, but uh, I love going on meditation retreats. That's one of the things that I do because you know, med- we, we talk about focus a lot mm-hmm. in, in terms of our productivity, and meditation simply allows us to bring more of our attention to what's in front of us in the moment. It's it's backed up by neuroscience. The science shows that in any given moment. We only bring 53% of our attention to what's in front of us, and so half of our attention, we're, half of the time, we're thinking about what we did wrong, and you know what we have coming up next, and we're fantasizing, and we're not there. You know, we're not actually where we need to be. You know, our mind is wandering off when we're taking a shower. You know, it's already in the office, even though we're taking a beautiful, <laughs> relaxing shower. And, and I think this is. There, there, this your your story reminded me of a meditation retreat I went on a while back. It was a New Year's retreat, and there was a death meditation. And it sounds like such a dark idea, hmm. doesn't it? You think of like somebody in a cape coming to take your soul. Away I, I don't know what a dementor or something. Yeah, dementor. That's exactly what came came into my mind. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a real death meditation, isn't it? Um, but it was really, you know, we're gonna die. How do we want to spend our time? It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, what's valuable to you? What do you want? What do you want to accomplish? And, and and I think productivity exists to to allow you to work towards those goals on a daily basis. Um, you know, we were chatting around the the definition of productivity, where it's how much we accomplish. But it's kind of like a micro accomplishment, isn't it? Because you know, when we're perfectly productive, we accomplish a lot on a daily basis. And what that does is it filters into these uh, weekly goals that we have and the monthly goals and the yearly goals and the overall goals that we set for ourselves. You know, it's one thing to set a New Year's resolution, which you may have already broken <laughs> to, to like just 10 or 15 pounds. Um, but it's on a daily basis and on a moment by moment basis that we actually act towards what's important and what's valuable to us. And I think that's where productivity lies is we all know what we want. You know, some of us more than others, Um, you know, we're all kind of equally lost in that regard, (laughs) maybe, but how we act towards it on a daily basis. And I think that comes down to the intentions that we set, um, how well we focus in the moment and and
0: how productive we, we are. Perfect way to end the show, Chris. Thank you so much for that and for being here and spending time with us today. Where can people find your book and more information from you?
1: It's available wherever books are sold. You know, go into a bookstore. It's there. Um, it's on Audible. We did a fun audio edition. Uh, if you happen to speak another language, it's being translated into, into a number of, of fun languages around the world. Nice.
0: congrats. Um,
1: and yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's wild because right now, it's um, th- this is going to sound like the largest humble brag in the world, but it's kind <laughs> of how my days are, are comprised right now. Um, but it's a bestseller in Taiwan and Korea right now. And I'm finding I have these calls like scheduled at like six a.m. so that I can do interviews with, with these various with these various countries. It's it's I'm having a, I'm exhausted, um, and I probably need to manage my energy uh, a bit better. But I'm having a blast, and so um, you know it's available wherever you can find books. My website is alifeofproductivity.com dot com, um, and I write a weekly column on there, and that that's where I'm also on Twitter. Um, when I'm on that distractions device, at Wiggle Chicken is my Twitter username. Wiggle, because Chicken. It's very, Wiggle Chicken? Tell because me about that. I'm a, really I'm a professional productivity expert. And so, what other uh, username would I choose? Now, I, I think it was, do you remember Neopets? Did you ever participate in Neopets?
0: Were they sort of like uh, digital pets that you could feed and raise? And
1: Yeah, yeah it's like neopets.com. Um, I, I played this site like way, way like. A decade ago, maybe 15 years ago. But I think the name of my first Neopet was Wiggle Chicken. That's and so, so before any of this productivity stuff happened, I uh, I got that username because, you know, I was an early adopter to Twitter. And now I, I like do productivity stuff and I don't want to give it up for some reason. So I'm at Wiggle Chicken. But my, my professional one is at ALO Productivity, uh, where you can find my, my posts
0: and stuff like that. Nice, nice. I had a Digimon which was like a keychain version. Oh, of that. man. Um, yeah, those are great. But I, I think they're like uh, I think around I,
1: your belt or something. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think I killed my first few and then I stopped because I wasn't good at it or whatever. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> and now you have a family. Yeah. So and and, and everybody's, everybody's
0: everybody's healthy and happy. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. Oh, good. Uh, I'd rather That's have it good. be that way than the other way around. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Chris, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate you and uh, all the best. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Chris Bailey, again, from a life of productivitycom You can get all the links and the resources mentioned in this episode at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 258. And one final message from me related to productivity. Just don't forget your why. Why are you doing all this work? Why is this even something that's important to you. And the reason why I want you to think about that is because when you're so deep into your work, when you get into the trenches, when you are in the tools and you're in the software and you're talking to people and you're trying to grow and scale and and make things work, it can be very, very easy to forget why you're doing what you're doing. And if you forget why you're doing what you're doing, you're gonna not wanna do it anymore. You need your why in order to move forward and break through those barriers that are gonna try and hold you back. And so just keep that in mind as you move forward. For me, my why is very easy to find because it's you guys. I see it in not only the numbers and the ratings and the reviews, and thank you for that, by the way, but I also have handwritten notes that I look at every single day before I work or whenever I get into a a weird moment in my uh, productivity and I just don't wanna do anything. I look behind me, for those of you who have seen my office tour, SPI TV, episode number two. I give you a little tour of my home office. We'll put a link in the show notes for that as well you can see a wall where there are pinned a number of handwritten notes from the SPI audience. I actually don't have enough wall space to include all the notes that are coming in, and that is why I do what I do. That's my metric or barometer to allow me to realize that I'm actually doing meaningful work and and that I am making a difference. And so I want you to find your why and make it easy for you to remember, whether that's a post-it note on your desktop computer or a sticker on your laptop or whatever it is, I don't know, but find it, make it easy for you to remember, and just keep going would also like to give a big shout out to GoDaddy for sponsoring today's episode you obviously know or have heard of GoDaddy that's where you can go and register domain names they also have a lot of other tools to help all of us who are building life fil- uh, fulfilling independent ventures um, you know just giving us the tools the insights and the people to transform our ideas into personal initiatives of success and they're the largest technology provider dedicated to small businesses the largest domain register uh, with over 62 million domain names which is insane I think like 60 million of them are mine, but no, I'm just kidding. But I do have a lot of them. And I and I do get domain names to host on my server. I do get domain names to forward to different parts of my website. Uh, and it's just super easy to use and obviously very economical. And you can actually get a 30% discount if you use my code, which is smart30, at checkout. So godaddy.com, use the code smart30 for 30% off uh, new purchases. So check it out, thanks. And finally, once again, I just wanna thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, I look forward to serving you in next week's episode where we're gonna be talking with two experts who have done extremely well on YouTube and how to actually get started and set up your YouTube channel from scratch. And uh, we'll be doing that together. So until then, keep moving forward and keep uh, taking those big, big bold actions that are gonna help you in your business and in your life. Cheers, take care. I'll see you then.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.